0: this is Bobby Rumpus from Cleveland, Ohio, and you're listening to Barbecue
1: Central. So to get that perfect barbecue, you use wood. Are you sure it's safe? Whatever. We put the lighter fluid on, strike the match, and...
2: Should we call the fire department? That might be a good idea. Welcome to the Barbecue Central Show. The show where we talk about all things that are important in the world of barbecue. From big-name interviews with competitors on the barbecue circuit, grill manufacturers and pit makers, to advice on cooking brisket and ribs. You'll find it all right here on the Barbecue Central Show. Your host, Greg Rempe, is a backyard barbecue and grilling fanatic and loves to talk about his passion, which many of us share together. You can learn more about barbecue and grilling by... Visiting the website, thebbqcentral.com. Now, let's get in the smoke. Here's your program host, Greg Rempe. Hey
0: gang, welcome to another edition of the really big, really big barbecue
2: Central Show.
0: It's the show that talks about all things important in the world of barbecue and grilling. I'm your program host, Greg Rempe. Welcome into the Barbecue Abode. We broadcast live and direct from the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame City of Cleveland, Ohio. Just this past weekend, declared the barbecue capital of the North Coast. So we have that going for us. Not much else. Believe me, not much else going on here in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame City. Happy to have you aboard here on your Tuesday before I tell you what's going on the show tonight. Going on, going on on the show, going on the show. Before I tell you what's going to be happening on the show, let me do it that way. Let me give you some contact information in case you want to jump in, take part in the show. Of course, you always know you are more than welcome to take part in the show at any point if you want to. You can do it one of two ways, three ways, I suppose. You can do a toll-free 877-448-0433. That's not even a collect call like I was going to say. It's toll-free. My dime. You go ahead and make use of it. You call in, you bring something fantastic to the show. Maybe you have a take on a cooker or a particular fuel that you've used or wood, whatever the case may be. Construct it in your head. Make it right. Call in and realize. I should probably back up just for a second here. Remember this, folks. As professional, as polished as this show sounds, and believe me, one day, I know I've threatened it at least one or 750 times, One day in the After Dark segment, I'm going to replay the very first podcast that I've ever done. Now, I'm not talking about like the first live show that will be, let's see, February 14th, I think, is going to clock the fourth year of the live show. I'm talking even before just the Barbecue Central podcast when I did all these shows pre-recorded, edited them down to a certain period of time and put them on iTunes. All the way before that there were podcasts existing, a small handful of what has to be some of the worst podcasting known to the face of the world. I have to be blatantly honest. And to see where we have progressed today. However, regardless of how great, polished, and wonderful the show is, week in, weekend out here, during the course of each and every Tuesday that we have uh, on the live show, It's only me. So here's what I want to explain, because we had a little issue with this last week with people calling in trying to win fantastic polishing cloths donated by sponsor of the show, Stephen DeFranco, from Stephen DeFranco Jewels. We have three left. So if you're interested, just go ahead and shoot me an email. Tell me you want a polishing cloth. Those are going to be going in the mail uh, this week. So we have three winners from last week that are still waiting on theirs. I just want to get them all collected. Nevertheless, there was a point I was going to be making. When you call in, If all of a sudden the phone stops ringing and you hear the show happening, in essence, you're live on the show. Now, I might have your sound volume all the way down, but that doesn't mean there isn't like a greeter or a screener that decides whether you're good enough to make it on the show or not. If you're good enough to punch the digits, if you can make that mental leap. And then all of a sudden you hear the show, you're technically on the air. You just got to wait for me to call out your area code. So know your area code, too. That's helpful. And I'll ask for your name. Here's something that you want to keep in mind desperately. Don't listen to the show and then decide to call in. Do yourself one big favor. Save yourself a headache. Save yourself hanging up on me and then making fun of you for minutes on end afterwards. Stop listening to the show or mute your speakers. Just like regular radio, what you're hearing now, I am well past, probably 55 seconds past what you're hearing now. So we're in essence on a delay. There's always a delay in the stream for internet. And this is in radio, people operate on terrestrial radar on, on delay because they don't want you to swear and, and have it come across the air. Not necessarily the same thing here. There's just delay in audio stream uh, through the internet. It's coming here to Cleveland. It's making out to the internet, going out to you. There's just inherently uh, some type of delay that I can't help. So when you decide to call in and I pick you up and raise your volume, and I'm hearing what I said 55 seconds ago, and you're listening not to me on the telephone, but you're listening to the speakers, bad things happen, Echo Monster happens, you're not aware of where we are in time frame, things go from bad to worse very quickly. And all of a sudden, you get this. And then I hang up on it. It's no fun for anybody. I don't like to do it. It's the fans that make me do it. It's the fans. So, just a little tidbit of information in case you want to call in on the show tonight. A little proper call-in etiquette. Anyway, 877 in case you want to call in on the show tonight. Also, email... Greg at the BBQ Central show.com Here's what's happening in case you've missed the newsletter or Facebook posts and Twitter happenings and whatnot. In about uh, eight minutes from now, we're going to be joined by Bill Gillespie from Smoke and Hogs. He just won Jack Daniels this past weekend following him, 35 past the hour. Uh, co-pit master? We'll have to get clarification on that with Ken. Ken has from Big Bob Gibson's barbecue competition taking team. They took reserve. So this show first hour all dedicated to Jack Daniels and recap top two teams that made it out there. Grand champ and reserve grand champ joining us here in the first hour. Second hour, I can neither confirm nor deny that uh, Meathead <laughs> will be making it in. He slept through last out uh, last show. Slept right through it. The whole hour. It was his. My fault as a host. I got a little lazy. Craig was very accountable. I could always say, look, if you're coming on this date, and this time he was rock solid, he was always there. That was my fault. And he screwed me last week. Got home after he was whining and dining his lovely other. Fell asleep. Look, he was probably listening to the show, and I can't fault him for that. And he slept right through his whole segment. And then the segment after that. Because he's usually on for like almost an hour. But he didn't have the stamina, nor did he have the ability to stay awake for his segment last week. But he has uh, told me that he's got many different alarm clocks and such other revelries to make sure that he is on time for the second hour. We're going to be talking about a number of things. We'll be talking about the stall. Meathead also has a take on the iPhone 4S And what the personal assistant, Siri, and how that relates to me, your humble host. He also has an opinion on the take that I had as far as the two kinds of pet owners, if you recall that from last week. And, of course, the meat head of the conversation will be focused around the scientific breakdown of the stall method. So lots to look forward to. Bill Gillespie coming up in just a bit. 35 past the hour. Ken has from Big Bob Gibson. Meat head in the second hour. So that's what we have going on eight seven seven four four eight zero four three three Greg at thebbqcentralshow dot com. If you're uh, looking for a little top ten recap of the Jack Daniels, obviously we know first and second smoking hogs and Big Bob Gibson's barbecue one and two, and then a team that's really been on this year PA Midnight Smokers as your third place, fourth place Shigan and Grinnin. Fifth place, no stranger to beating uh, top calls throughout this competition year. Munchin' Hogs at the Hilton, Robert McGee. Sixth place, Chick Swine and Bovine, another guy that has been cooking up a storm this year. Seventh is Spitfire, eighth, I Smell Smoke. Ninth, believe it or not, many-time friend of the show, especially recently, Tippy Canute. Top 10 overall, Tippy Canoe. So, Joe Bielan still, uh, you know, not the win that everybody was probably thinking that he was going to get because hooking, nobody cooking any hotter than he was the last five weeks in a row. Uh, but a top 10 finish out of, I think, was it 90 teams or something like that, uh, or 70 teams? He'll take that for sure. So, congratulations to Joe Bielan on a top 10. And then we got Mr. GoneHoggin.com rounding out the top 10. So, that's what it looked like over at the Jack this uh, this past weekend. Congratulations to everybody. Want to give a special mention. A special mention. (laughs) Daniel Domofsky, DVQ first place pork. Thank you very little. What? First place pork? What? First place pork? What? Yeah, baby! (laughs) Bringing home the big money from uh, Jack Daniels, I bet. How about sharing the uh, pork recipe with everybody, Daniel? Like, that thing probably hasn't just increased in value at about $758,000, right? Forget about it. All right, we got a lot of stuff coming up, so stay tuned for what promises to be a great show. My bad right there. Blasting over it. Gang, I want to tell you about one of the newest sponsors to the show. You would know them as a competitor on the barbecue circuit. Somebody who does very well on the scene, Somebody who is known for having quality injections when it comes to brisket, especially brisket, I suppose. Also pork. Also fantastic rubs. It's got a great sauce out as well. he has got this fabulous revolutionary product called the grill that he is getting out on the market to rave reviews. Yeah, you know who I'm talking about. I'm talking about Dave Bosca from Butcher Barbecue. You can check them out on the internet at butcherbbq.com. Are you somebody like myself who has always toiled around with the idea of injecting stuff? And then you're like, you know what? I'm not in the competition scene. I'm not looking to impress judges in one or two bites to make sure that I'm making walks for categories and at the end in overall type instances. So I'm gonna lay. I'm gonna lay off the injection. Maybe it's not for me. It might just be for competition. Well, let, let me tell you something. Could be more wrong. I've had numerous conversations with Dave about that very subject, and he says, "Look, it doesn't matter if you're competing. It doesn't matter if you're just a backyard hack like yourself, Rempy. You would do wise and better and well if you went ahead and picked up some injection and started injecting." Your brisket started injecting your pork butts and then make the determination after you've used it what type of yield you get, what type of moisture, what type of extra flavor profiles you are able to get right into those butts and briskets because now you're injecting, you're not just keeping it old school for no good reason. So don't think that it's just for competition because it's not, it's just for for you and me too, the backyard guy. We got to get on it. ButcherBBQ.com again is the website. Let me tell you a little bit about this grill product as well. It's uh, both injection or marinade, or you can combine them both. You can marinate your uh, chicken first, let's say, your pork loin. Then you can also inject grill into the marinated pork loin. So you're getting like double flavor. It's outrageous. It's $22.50 for two pounds. And again, everything can be found at butcherbbq.com. And of course we have those new shipping rates that Dave has worked out with the United States Post Office. Priority shipping for all domestic packages. Now all costs will be set at a flat rate. Orders $55 or less. Everything ships at seven bucks. All other orders will be $9. It's just one more way to trust your butcher, butcherbbq.com. We're coming back with winner of the Jack Daniels Bill Gillespie of Smoke and Hogs coming up. Stay tuned.
2: Broadcasting live from the Barbecue Central Radio Network studios in Cleveland, Ohio. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Radio Show. Once again, here's your host, Greg Rampey. All right, welcome back to the show.
0: 13 past the hour coming up just on 14 past the hour. 35 past Ken Hess from Big Bob Gibson going to be talking about their reserve grand champion also Meathead is going to be joining us here in the second hour 877-448-0433 Greg at Show.com. joining me now is the pitmaster of Smoke and Hogs Barbecue team they just walked out of Lynchburg with grand champion honors for the 23rd annual Jack Daniels Barbecue cook-off we race over the hotline and bring up Bill Gillespie first time in Bill how are you buddy hey i'm doing good how you doing i'm doing absolutely fantastic bill thanks for asking first and foremost and uh, secondly appreciate you making time out for the show tonight talk a little bit about the jack you're a few days away from it now um you know really one of the biggest competitions that any level of competition cook talks about one that they want to put on the old notch before you call it a barbecue career so you know, as you look across the span of how long you've been competing and, and events that you've been in, does this one take the cake by far? Could you retire on this one and, and never look back and have any regrets? How does it kind of sit with you?
3: Yeah, this is definitely the uh, the pinnacle of my barbecue career. Um, I mean, like you said, every competitive barbecue guy looks at, I think, the Jack as the contest to, to go and compete in and also to win. Um, yeah, I'm pretty happy about it
0: <laughs> for the people that don't know how did you qualify to to get in this year?
3: um, we qualified by we we actually we won three uh state championships this year uh one of them was an automatic and that was Merrimack, New Hampshire
0: all right, so uh, get in that way we're talking with bill Gillespie smoking hogs uh barbecue team. The website, by the way, in case you want to check them out, smokinghogsbbq.com. Was this your first time down, Bill?
3: Um, I've been once before. I was on another team, uh, one of the teams that I started out with. Uh, we were there in two thousand seven.
0: Okay, so I guess you know the question that I've had, and you know, for teams. You know, you got another fellow cook out there in the, in the New England area. IQ Chris Hart, who's been down, you know, now ten years in a row. So he's got a, a very well versed plan that he works. Uh, your t- second time down. This is your first time down as smoking hogs. Right. How, how did the weekend go for you? I mean, by all accounts, it's jam packed with things to do for the cooks. Do you have a game plan set up in advance to execute down there in order to keep yourself and the team on track? Um.
3: Yeah. I mean, pretty much. Uh, it's. Uh, pretty much what we've been doing all season long. Um, You know, we have a program that we follow, and it's it's been working really well for us this year.
0: Bill Gillespie joining us here on the show. All right, so how did the cook go just in general? I mean, you fire up, you have your bigger cuts on first. Was there anything out of the ordinary that you had to contend with? Any, you know, drunkards kicking stuff over or people stealing (laughs) people's beef? We
3: we did, uh, we lost a little bit of power, probably about maybe 2 o'clock in the morning. Um, they had to wake me up, say we lost some power. So we, we figured that out, Got that all up and running again. Um, and then uh, the only, it, it seemed I was a little, little more rushed this time around just cause there was a couple of extra categories before the actual, the, you know, the four big meets. Um, <clears throat> so that kind of had us a little bit behind. Um, but, you know, it's uh, it's it's kind of how you manage things, you know? You just kind of roll with the punches.
0: Did you ever give any consideration to not doing any of the ancillary categories and just sticking with the, the four major meets?
3: Yeah, you know, I did think about that, but, I mean, you're down there, so you might as well do all of them, get the full experience. Mm-hmm.
0: Do you do you take the trip up to the hill and, and do you go eat at all these places that I hear about all the time, or did you kind of skirt away from stuff that might take your attention away?
3: No, we we um we did the tourist thing. We took a tour of the um the uh, distillery. We went to the top of the hill. Um, you know, I mean, we we you know we were there for one thing, obviously, but we also wanted to have a good time too. All
0: right, so let's go ahead and look at your turn-ins by category. Um, I, I assume that they call uh, like they would normally in a KCBs chicken ribs, pork and brisket. Yep. Okay. Yep. And are they calling out uh, how many how many places for categories? I
3: think they they call to the tenth place in right. each category.
0: Top ten, and then did they do top ten overall as well?
3: They, yep, they did top ten overall as well.
0: Yep. All right. So we look at chicken category. No call there. You're thirty fourth. Uh, right. You know, one of the unique portions of. The Jack Daniels competition, which is probably why it's not KCBS-sanctioned, is that they do require you to turn in uh, white meat. So, just in general, what did right. you think about the chicken, and what did you choose for the, the white meat portion?
3: Um, for the white meat, we chose wings. Um, you know, it's kind of funny, because I really didn't practice doing the seven-piece, you know, seven pieces with the white meat. Um, I was a little flustered at my, my turn-in for chicken, a little unhappy with the way it looked, um, but it sure did taste good.
0: <laughs> Tasting is good, right?
3: Oh, absolutely. <laughs>
0: do, um, do, you, do you taste your chicken and do you taste your categories just in general before you turn them in? Or something? I do, you... do yes. Okay. Yep. Uh, so you, you get 34th on that. Uh, ribs is next, uh, another no-call, so you're 26 uh, ribs overall. How do they feel for you as you turn them in?
3: Um, I, I thought they felt pretty well. Um, the taste and everything has pretty much been what we've, what we've had all year long. They might have been a little dry, in my own personal opinion. Um, but overall, I thought they were decent.
0: Are you a baby back? Are you a St. Louis stock?
3: Uh, uh, St. Louis.
0: Is that something you always go with, or have you uh, traded back and forth from time to time?
3: No, I've done pretty much St. Louis. I think there was one contest last year that I tried baby backs. Um, But I'm pretty much a spare rib St. Louis kind of guy.
0: Bill Gillespie joining us here on the show. We're breaking down the uh, category turn-ins that won on the Jack Daniels this past weekend. All right, Pork is next. Uh, Top 10 call here, ninth place Pork. Not knowing where you're hanging for the first two categories, how good does hearing your name call and and getting to walk the stage?
3: Oh, we were thrilled. Um, you know, I, I like the, the way we, we did our pork this time. Um, I mean, just to hear your name called, I was pretty much, at that point, I was like, sweet. I'm You know, I'm happy. I heard my name called at the Jack. I can go home a happy person. So I was, that pretty much made our weekend at that point.
0: Yeah, I was going to ask, I mean, I don't know if you go around asking when you're visiting with some of the other teams, obviously everybody that's going down there wants to win it, and then there has to be some other, uh, let's say, less uh, prioritized goals where you want to hear a call or you just want to finish in, in this place or that place. Just hearing a one call out of a category would have been just fine with you?
3: Absolutely, yep, it, it, especially in a you know a field of that caliber. You know, you're talking about the top teams in the country.
0: All right. So, last call. Our last category is brisket. Uh, don't hear your name for that, but you're not that far out of the call. You're 14th overall. Right. So, I'm wondering. You know, I'm talking to a lot of competition teams during the course of you know however long I've been doing the show, and for the teams that win it, it seems like you know, they're up there, top 10, top five, they're getting three out of four category calls, they might win a couple, so the math, or at least logically, they would be thinking to themselves, I got a really good shot at winning this. Not hearing your name right. called three out of the four, and they're starting to call out top 10 overall, where's your mindset there?
3: I'm thinking, uh, I don't know, just to maybe finish on the top half, you know, um, you know, just a call and pork, you know, you never know how these things really go, but we felt pretty good about our brisket. It's been um, pretty much our uh, our go-to category, if you if you will, for the whole season. We've done really well with brisket. Um, you know, I mean, I, I like I said, I was just happy with the pork call. So, you know, to hear it overall was just amazing.
0: Now, as you're getting closer and closer to, to getting reserve, and then uh, overall, when you hear Big Bob Gibson's getting called reserve, is there ever a thought in your mind that the next name that's going to be called is yours, or do you completely don't even think about that? You dismiss it altogether?
3: No, nah, there's always a glimmer of hope. You know, you're always down to the, down to the wire. You know, it, it, it could be, and if it is, awesome. If it's not, you know, it's not the end of the world. But, yeah, there, there was a, a little bit of a glimmer of hope, just kind of running through everything in my head, who got calls, um, just the situation at hand, really.
0: All right, so when your name's called, you have uh, Smoke and Hogs as overall grand champion for the 23rd Jack Daniels. Initial emotions, initial thoughts that spring right in your head as you hear your name called?
3: Uh, holy crap, that's us. <laughs> that's really us. You know, um, it's just, I don't know, Absolutely amazing. Um,
0: is there a contest that you can compare it to that you've been to that you've had this type of an elation or, or joy of winning, or is it just on a whole different plan?
3: Well, earlier in the year, we won our very first grand championship at um, in Rochester, New York, at the Rock, uh, Rock City Rib Fest.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: And <clears throat> that was absolutely amazing. And to win the jack and to have that kind of feeling but like tenfold you know i mean the first one was awesome but this one is just awesome times a million you know
0: <laughs> and it's gotta be a little bit sweeter in the fact that you know every winner gets to go right back the following year and and stab their hand again
3: absolutely yeah we're thrilled about that and we can't wait
0: about Bill Gillespie joining us here on the show uh, again. The website, if you want to check them out, smokinghogsbbq.com dot com. Another New England team, so there's uh, having a little bit of success uh, going from uh, north down south to Lynchburg between you and IQ, and you know some of the other great teams cooking out there in the Nebs area. Do you think that uh, New England is getting, of course you got uh, Steve Farron up there too, I Smell Smoke, do you think that your section of teams out there in the country are getting the the respect and kind of that uh, justification for being good cooks up where we are?
3: Yeah, I think so. I think they're slowly realizing that the Northeast is the place to be for barbecue now.
0: Should be one of the newest five meccas of barbecue. Forget That's Carolina. That's right. Absolutely. <laughs> All right, Bill. So, uh, you know, for the people that aren't as familiar with your whole background in, in barbecue, how about a little synopsis of you and kind of how you got into this whole barbecue deal and when you decided to start competing?
3: All right. Uh, well, I've, I've been cooking on a smoker for about 15 years. Um, I started out on one of those small little Brinkman Gourmet Smokers. And um, <clears throat> a couple of guys that I worked with, um, were doing some backyard competitions, and they asked me if you know I wanted to kind of tag along, and I said sure. So that was I started competing in '05, and uh, my very first contest there was the four standard categories plus a chef's choice, and um, I did uh, I did a smoked salmon got a call for fourth place and i've been hooked ever since
0: was that what happens you mean you get you go to one of these things you compete you get a call and it's like man i'm good enough to do this right off the bat right
3: yeah you know (laughs) it's it's like wow you know maybe i can really do this kind of thing and you know i mean i've always been a fan of barbecue anyway so just to to have that first call you know just sort of it made sense
0: uh, Bill, I have to ask you this question uh, coming in from the Gone Hog and Barbecue team. Uh, they want to know if you can credit any of the success to the fact that the machine visited you at the Royal. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> it was all the machine. I have no idea what that means, so uh, it's going <laughs> to be an inside joke. Uh, so you started competing uh, in 05. What do you cook on now? What's your competition, Rick?
3: Um, I cook on a, uh, a backwards fat boy and a WSM.
0: Any reason why you decided to uh, look at a backwood style smoker?
3: Um, I you know I like the I like how it's insulated. I like that it's a water smoker. Um, it you know it it's pretty pretty easy to use, um, and it turns out one hell of a product.
0: Do you use uh, lump lumper in there? or Do you use hardwood?
3: I use lump. All
0: right. Now, are you injecting, or you're not injecting your your bigger cuts, your briskets and butts?
3: I am. Yep, I do inject. I do inject. Are both. you uh, uh,
0: Are you willing to give up your injection? Is it something you make homemade, or are you using something that's uh, readily available on the market these days?
3: No, I I use uh, butchers beef and butchers pork.
0: All right. Well, I'm sure he's very happy to hear that. Uh, Butcher Barbecue, yeah. <laughs> a sponsor of the show, so
2: oh, that's it's cool. winning.
0: Dave Bosca, a little hand in uh, helping you win the Jack Daniels this year. Yeah, um, absolutely. So, I guess, you know, one of the other questions that I have for you is you have a lot of teams, competition barbecue especially seems to be growing leaps and bounds. You look back over the last three or four years, there's been a huge explosion in the number of teams that are showing up, the interest that people have, because, look, let's face it, we can love football all we want in a professional level, but I'm not going to be able to get out there on a field and perform at a world-class level. I'm going to guess that you're probably yep. not either. So competition right. barbecue allows us to not have to be in world-class shape in order to try our hand yeah. at cooking great barbecue. So for the teams that are looking to get into it or have just started, what advice do you have now that you've got you know, five, six years underneath your belt, uh, do you have to teams getting out there to help kind of ramp their learning curve?
3: Um, just practice, practice, and, uh, just to try to get your food consistent every time. Um, you know, that's what we did this pad this off season. I mean, I, I owe a lot of, a lot of our success to, um, to Chris Hart. You know, he was pretty instrumental with, uh, with helping us along our way. Um, you know, he's just a, a great guy and just very willing to help you out, you know? Um, but yeah, for these for the new teams, I just just practice practice.
0: Now uh, for your briskets, are you a Sam's Club brisket guy, or have you uh, fallen down into the the Wagyu uh, folks as well? Where where are you cooking?
3: Yeah, I've I've fallen to the to the uh, the Wagyu.
0: Do you find that there? I mean, because I'm sure there was obviously a, a good period of time when you weren't using that. When you made the switch, was there a uh, learning curve on how to cook it was it pretty simple to to switch over from one to the next and are you finding that big of a difference?
3: Well, I, I never practiced on one. Um, we went to a first contest this year with the wagyu, and we cooked it for the very first time there, and we got a ninth place in brisket. It's and uh, I, I just I figured as long as I you know stayed stayed true to the guidelines of just you know cooking a regular. You know Sam's Club brisket. I figured it wouldn't be far off.
0: Now, for your rubs, uh, is that something that you guys like to use? That uh, you're, you're making up in the kitchen, or are you using all uh, ready-made, already on the market uh, rubs as well?
3: Yeah, we we usually we use a ready-made product.
0: Do you think that the flavor profile in competition barbecue is becoming uh, too similar? amongst a lot a lot of categories would you like to see some diversity or do you think there's going to be a little bit more diversity than there is currently
3: well i actually don't know because i don't really taste the other teams uh from what i'm hearing i think that they are getting very similar um I, you know it's just uh i think there's little differences between between everybody you know how they cook them some may use a little too much of one thing versus another. I still think there's a little bit of variety, but I mean that's just my opinion.
0: Bill Gillespie is my guest. Uh, Bill, what's next for smoking hogs? Are you guys done for the year now? After this, you're going to party uh, until the turn of the year, or you still got some competitions to go to?
3: No, that was it. We're done. We're done for the season. Um, just going to rest a little bit and gear up for next year that's
0: a hell of a walk-off shot this year bill
3: yeah right
0: uh, it's, uh, awesome <laughs> how many uh, competitions do you plan on doing next year have you started to to map
3: out um well yeah we've mapped out a few we did i think 12 this year so we're thinking somewhere around the same 12 to 15 for next year
0: all right there he is bill gillespie you can find him again smoking hogs bbq.com. Uh, do you have anything else you'd like to plug, Bill? Do you frequent any forums you'd like to mention or anything like that? In place people want to track you down?
3: Um, well, if I, I'd like to plug one of my sponsors. Yeah, please. Um, uh, Chad Nicole Humphreys from Humphreys Chips and Chunks. Uh, they supply me with all my charcoal and my wood wood and everything for smoking. Um, they've pretty much been with us since the beginning. Uh, since Actually, we started... Smoking Hogs in 08 and a few months later, they jumped on board and they they took a, a risk with us, and it's uh, it's been it's been a nice partnership.
2: Yeah,
0: paying off uh, absolutely. Right now, we're looking at the winner of the 23rd Jack Daniels Barbecue Cookoff, Bill Gillespie from Smoking Hogs. Again, the website Smoking BBQ dot Bill, congratulations again. Appreciate the time tonight. Thanks so much.
3: Yep. Yeah,
0: thank you very much. All right. Take care. There he is. Bill Gillespie, winner of the Jack Daniels, baby. Yeah. Can't take it away? Sorry. Can't take that away from me. I'm not going to sing tonight. Full, full house tonight, so I'm not going to sing. How about those Massachusetts boys coming up? I Smell Smoke, I think, was... Was he just out? Uh, I said it. Yeah, he was, he was top 10 as well. So, got Chris Hart. He's won it. You got Bill Gillespie. He's won it just this weekend. Steve Farron. Very close to winning it, top uh, top ten, top, top eight. So watch out for these uh, Nebs guys. Who knew that they could smoke uh, butts and briskets up there where it's cold uh, just as much as it is here in Cleveland, for crying out loud. Not me, but they can do it. But Chris Hart's uh, demand for cooking classes is uh, going steadily through the roof as we speak. Thanks to Bill Gillespie again for coming on. Again, quick reminder about Draper's Barbecue. They're the newest sponsor to the show. Draper's Barbecue is a third-generation barbecue company located in western Kentucky, in between Memphis and Kansas City. Shane Draper wanted to create a line of products that represented both cities as well as the flavor profiles from his home. Draper's and Sauce is a savory with a touch of sweetness, tangy with some heat. Its balanced yet complex blend of spices is just at home on the competition trail as it is grilling in your backyard. Smoking Sauce has brought home several trophies this year on ribs and chicken and is on the front lines in the battle against overly sweet flavor profiles, which I hate. Don't bring that sweet sauce to me, mister. Hey, Draper's Barbecue also has a fantastically versatile rub, known simply as AP Rub. The AP is short for all purpose, as it has a great flavor enhancer on any protein, but it can be used on popcorn or french fries, salads, onion rings, soups, chowders, check mix baked potatoes, and in dredges for frying fish or chicken. You know what a dredge is, right? Of course you do. Your imagination is its only limitation. All-purpose rub, balance of savory, salt, sweet, and heat make it great on virtually anything. Now, Smoke and & Sauce and AP Rub are great products stand-alone, but really shine when used together. The dovetail of the two flavor profiles makes a completely different and even more complex flavor profile. That will keep the judges thinking about your entry long after they have put it down. They might even come back for second or third bites. The mix of the two was designed to have a roller coaster effect on the palate that swings the taster through all parts of their taste buds. You can find Draper's products three different locations on the interwebs. DrapersBBQ.com store bbqaddicts.com makers of the bacon explosion bbqaddicts.com or Barbecue Pro Shop which is bbqproshop.com all trusted Draper's resources also look for Draper's Barbecue on Facebook and Twitter Shane always available to help answer questions with flavor profiles if you have a local store you want Draper's Barbecue products in send Shane an email at info at drapersbbq.com they are always adding stores and new markets and your tip could lead you to earning some free swag, baby. Yeah! You want a Draper's shirt? I do. I get one extra large. Draper's Barbecue, when they say three generations of pride and flavor in a bottle, they mean it. Get some today. Both. Use both. A dovetail. DrapersBBQ.com. We're coming back with the Reserve Grand Champion.
2: Big Bob Gibson next Get in the smoke. Call 877 to get on the air. Now, here's your host, Greg Rampey. Big B, new shopping, suburban, respect. let's go! I'm an outlaw, One. give me two shots. One. We don't need a radio, bring a jukebox. For my outlaws, One. bring me three shots. One.
4: We could race him before the speed stops. I'm a whiskey drinker, SOB. If you don't like that, then you won't like me. I'm an outlaw.
0: Ooh. Oh, we're all outlaws up in this bitch. Hell yeah. All right, we got to uh, we gotta call into the office here for Ken. Uh Ken Hess, please. This is him. Ken greg from Barbecue Central Radio,
4: buddy. Hey, how you doing?
0: Doing very well. Didn't figure you were gonna be answering the phone. Figured I'd be passed back. But you're uh you're doing everything I guess tonight.
4: Well, I was on top of it. It wasn't, you know, <laughs> they're closed now actually officially, so I was able to grab it before any employees did. All
0: right, so let me give you some proper introduction here since uh, I thought we were going to have to do a little phone passing around. Joining me now is the, uh, can I say co-pitmaster, Ken? Is that proper or no?
4: Um, I guess.
0: Can I just call you pitmaster?
4: Uh, Chris is the pitmaster of Big Bob Gibson's
0: uh, Well, I'm going to say co-pitmaster of Big Bob Gibson's barbecue team. They finished in reserve this past weekend at Jack Daniels. It's Ken Hess joining me here on the show. I know him as Big Hoss. Uh, you take reserve this weekend. Ken, how did the cook go for you guys?
4: Um, it went really well. We, uh, it was a little cold at night. It got down about 35, 36 degrees, so it was pretty cold. But uh, our Jet Master held their temperature. Um, we, I did, we did get up a little bit more often just to make sure and guarantee that the pits were holding their temps. Now, uh, in terms of how we felt about the product, we felt we turned in – the best ribs, according to Don Mclemore, who's our, one of our owners, that he feels we've ever turned in in competition. Uh, we did end up taking third place with those this weekend, and we missed first by a point. And then uh, in terms of our chicken and brisket and pork, we feel like we have a very solid four categories at the moment in our uh, cooking careers.
0: All right, so for the teams or for the people listening tonight, we've got a packed house uh, for the live show. How did Big Bob Gibsons qualify for Jack Daniels this year?
4: Um, We won a little contest called Memphis in May back Yeah,
0: never heard of it. I heard that's going to be an up-and-coming competition one of these days. All right, so you win uh, Memphis in May to get down to the Jack. Uh, Have you guys been down to, or Big Bob's been down to, uh, Jack Daniels before?
4: We have. We've been here uh, about five times now over the history. And uh, this was our seventh trip. Oh, no, this was our seventh trip. I apologize. This is our seventh cook at Jack Daniels.
0: All right, seven times down. What's it like? I mean, how many times have you been there personally, Ken?
4: This was actually my first time to travel with the team and be at Big, Bo- uh, for Big Bob Gibson's and be at the Jack Daniels. All
0: right, so you're part of a you know, well-known team. You've done very well this year. But as someone who is just kind of getting down there for the first time and, and seeing all the majesty and the mystique that is associated with this competition, what are some of your personal thoughts as you were kind of taking it in for the first time? What you like? Uh, anything you didn't like?
4: Um, I really, it was an awesomely organized and well-run contest. Uh, it was amazing how much it had a very small, you know, very close-knit feel to it, whereas you're thinking, I'm at the Jack Daniels. This is going to be, like, crazy, like the American Royal or Memphis have 300 teams or 500 teams. You know, there's only 85 teams out there. So it's a very, you know, home feel to the whole contest, which I really enjoyed.
0: Is there enough stuff going on all the time where if you're not executing a game plan or, or prepared to do what you've come down to do, that you could easily get distracted and put yourself behind at some point?
4: Oh, you definitely could. I mean, you could see that there's, you know, 19 to 20 international teams that they're doing their, you know, traditional meals from their countries. They're dressed in their traditional outfits from their countries. There's a lot of extracurricular. Uh, activities for what the distillery produces, per se. And, uh, you know, there's a whole town square, which is absolutely beautiful and very, you know, like you could go buy antiques. There was over 250 different craft vendors and other things there that, you know, if you weren't staying still at your site, you could definitely get lost. You know, I think they had 25,000 people showed up to this little holler.
0: That's a little bit. That's a little bit of people, yeah. I think. Yeah, uh,
4: so I think the population's only 500 people during <laughs> the regular time of the year.
0: So it explodes a little bit come uh, Jack Daniel's barbecue time. Does Big Bob Gibson's area get a little bit more crowd traffic because of Chris and the name associated with the company?
4: We definitely, I mean, you have a lot of people come by with books. Uh, Jack Daniel's is one of the few contests where you're actually allowed to sell your product. Um, we have a very big family that comes up to support us. And a lot of them were, you know, selling sauces, selling books, selling T-shirts, selling hats. And so, you know, we've got a lot of people that stop by and want to see Chris get the book signed. But, you know, when it's crunch time, you know, our family is very good about, you know, saying, you know, Chris is busy. If he'll come back after turn-ins, you'll be able to visit with him and take pictures with him. So it does get things a little harder to get sometimes from point A to point B for, you know, if Chris is walking because, you know, he wants to see all the fans that love the book and love our company. So it does make sometimes getting to uh, you know, turn in times. Well not necessarily turn in time for food, but to register for the event, different things like that, it kind of makes it harder to travel
0: a little bit. Ken Hess from Big Bob Gibson's joining us here talking about the Reserve Grand Championship win this past weekend. So if we look at the turn-ins, can you address them a little bit ago? Uh, you know, just uh, cursory, but we look a little bit more in-depth. Chicken, obviously everybody is, uh, you know, talking about how you have to have that white chicken entry in, and you get 27th overall in chicken. So, you know, not necessarily bad, not huge score, but uh, definitely... Uh, well respected uh, given the teams that were there what do you use for the white portion of the chicken and how happy were you with the chicken turnip?
4: um we were really happy we used some chicken breasts and we used our product here from the restaurant broke them down trimmed them up and then um you know smoked them but it just it added another element to our cook that you know now you have to perfectly nail cooking that chicken breast you know because if you don't it, it won't be moist it won't you know, it'll be tender and it'll be dry and overcooked. So, it added, you know, a few more steps in what we had to watch and take care to execute on. So, made it a little bit tighter. Also, the uh, turn-in times are all a half an hour behind traditional KCBS times. So, kind of, you know, you're sitting there going, "All right, it's 11. This should be there. This should be there." But you're like, "Oh no!" But it's my first turn-in is until 12:30. So, you know, it throws you off in terms of your day-to-day kcbs i couldn't imagine people that do 40 kcbs contests a week having to be off in a half hour you
0: know <laughs> it's got to be a little weird
4: yeah
0: uh ribs is next you get a third place call and ribs so only two people better than you and as you said a point uh separates you from the top uh don mclemore obviously one of the most trusted palates probably in the country when it comes to barbecue saying that those are some of the best rib turn-ins what do you think put them over the top this time
4: um, I think again attention to detail. We've uh, we've had some very solid runs with our ribs this this year. We went up to a Louisville for a private cook off against some teams, six teams, and won that. Um, so we're very confident right now with our ribs, the recipes we've come up with, the execution, and I think we we just we were on top of our game. We we focused on those details, and that's what really brought it in, and then. You no, know, also, selection of a great product. You know, we select from our ribs from the restaurant. We probably went through, you know, five or six boxes to get the ones we needed.
0: Ken Hess joining us here on the show. Uh, pork next, 26 overall, so uh, one better than the chicken. But you don't hear your name called. So, do you, I mean, do you get concerned? Is it all just part of the process?
4: Um, well, one thing that um, Chris did mention to me before we went up is like, look, you know, there's a lot of celebrity judges that aren't certified that, you know, you're going to see scores you've never seen in our score sheets before. And so I was prepared for, you know, we might not get a call, might not hear our name in some of our strongest categories, which, you know, pork is right. what Big Bob Gibson's bread and butter is made on. So last um, we are t- definitely hoping to get a call on pork, but it just, wasn't in the cards.
0: Yeah. Last category, brisket, 19th overall. So, again, not hearing your name called, but how did the brisket turn out for you guys?
4: I think the brisket was just as exceptional as the second-place brisket we had in the Invitational. Um, It was there. The points were there. um, The flats were there. And it was a beautiful box. And, you know, we were not ashamed of any of the products we turned in. We felt like we had a chance going to awards to win. All right, you take it all home.
0: You go through awards, you get your call in ribs, but no other calls that you're hearing. And I just had uh, Bill Gillespie on talking about you know what it's like to hear when they're starting to call overall. You only heard your name called once. I don't know how well you're keeping track of all the other teams and kind of where they're placing. So as names start to tick off, you're getting higher and higher up in prize money and reserve and overall champion. And when you get up to that fifth place, that fourth place, you haven't heard your name called yet. Do you think that you've tanked off the categories a little farther than you, you might have hoped, or is there always a shot for winning for you guys?
4: Well, one thing is that the Kingsford points chase was this weekend also. Uh, it was actually the culmination of all the points chase was ending at, at the Jack Daniels, and as earlier in the contest it would have been announced that we were the highest points team for the Kingsford points chase. So we won $500 from Kingsford earlier in the awards. So as it started going up past fifth, you're starting to look at each other like, hey, you know, we're the number one Kingsford points chase team for this weekend. There's a chance we've won this thing. You know, and then you get the third place is announced. Uh, I remember looking back at Chris. I was like, you think we did this? He's like, man, I don't know. And so then they announced us for the reserve grand champion, and we were like, oh, you know, we thought we had it. We thought we had done, you know, one of the harder things of winning the Jack Daniels and Memphis in May in the same year. Are,
0: is there, I mean, so what is it like? I mean, obviously everybody wants to win. I would assume 99.9% of teams would be ecstatic getting reserve grand champion. Is, is it a little, are you put off a little bit that you didn't take overall since you're that close?
4: I mean, we came to win, and then there's definitely a disappointment that we didn't, but to have the year we've had, and get reserve grand champion but then when you get your score sheets and you're point five seven away from winning, I mean the smoke hall guys came congratulate us so they were you know a great group of guys and they were like so excited and they're like we can't believe it was that close because you know most of the big contests are determined by lots and points mm-hmm. and you know Chris and I were talking earlier today if over the past year since Big Bob Gibson has been competing if you would give us one point, and let us divide it how we wanted. <laughs> we would take the .7 for this Jack Daniels. We lost the American Royal to Lot of Bowl by one, one thousandth of a point. And we lost Memphis and May once by .25 points. Wow. So you're talking about one point we could be three world champions higher.
0: It's uh so, you know, it's a fickle word, that barbecue, right?
4: Yeah, and we strive I mean, we go out to win. we work over the winter times, trying to, you know, see what we've done wrong, look at our score sheets over the year, analyze, you know, is it taste, is it tenderness, what can we change? And we work really hard to make sure that the product we're putting out is the number one.
0: Ken has joining us here on the show, breaking down Jack Daniels. Uh, you know, kind of, it has been a very good year for you guys. Uh, Big Bob's isn't necessarily known for really hitting the trail like some of the other teams on KCBS and FBA, IBCA circuits. You won Memphis and May earlier this year, like we talked about. You take reserve this past weekend at the Jack. Do you and Chris ever find yourselves maybe a little unfulfilled when it comes to the amount of competitions that you're doing that you do during the course of the year?
4: I I think we would like to get out more than we do, but we do so much traveling with Kingsford and, like, South Beach Food and Wine Festival. We've done some large uh, catering events for NASCAR. We do so much stuff now that, I mean, I right now don't have a family, but Chris has got three children, and Don and Chris, you know, Don's got his grandchildren. They're involved in athletics, and I think being with the family and being with the kids doing their activities is more important than going out every weekend. And, you know, we always talk about, man, we wish we could just jump down the road for a quick one. But, you know, I think at the end of the day, being with your family is what's the most important. And when we started competing, the family was always able to come. So now that, the you know, the children have gotten older, that's more, I think, the focus is that keeping the family traditions and values intact aren't always involved with barbecue every weekend.
0: Absolutely. Ken Hess joining us here on the show. All right, last question before I let you go, Ken. Probably, probably toughest question of the night. Uh, put you on one side with a, whatever smoker you want, Chris Lilly on another side with any smoker that he wants. Who's coming out on top of this barbecue showdown?
4: Ah, uh, I don't think there's even a chance there. We work so well together that I mean, there are things that he can come up with an idea and I can spin it a different way, and I'm going to say we're pretty evenly matched on that one. No, I'm not going to take that, that answer.
0: Me, I'm not going to take that answer. Give me an answer. Uh, he'll beat me. Oh, all right. I'll take it. Ken Hess is a uh, co-pitmaster Big Bob Gibsons. They just took reserve grand champion this past weekend. It's the 23rd Jack Daniels. And, of course, they won Memphis in May earlier this year. Ken, I always appreciate you making time for the show. Thanks for coming on tonight. Well,
4: I really appreciate it. Thanks for having us
0: on. All right. Take care. There he is. Ken Hess. Great guy. Having a great year. I mean, again, this is a team that is not known for uh, cooking a lot of events. Uh, very busy doing a lot of other stuff within the industry. So congratulations to them. Congratulations to Smokin' Hawks as well. All right, guys. Look, you've asked me time and time again. I'm getting those freaking emails. Why is a jeweler even wasting one red cent on this barbecue show? Not here. No. I'm not going to listen to it. I'm done listening to it. I'm not going to answer your questions. And look, if you can't understand why you would be interested, why you would be excited to the very core of your being on why you want to check out Stephen DeFranco, you're just missing the boat. You don't love yourself. You don't love others. As a matter of fact, you're a danger to yourself and more of a danger to others. This is what you're going to do. First, you're going to go to the webpage, Barbecue Central Radio Show webpage, and click on the Stephen DeFranco Jewelers banner. It will take you to a landing page that Steve has made up, especially for us centralites, fans of uh, Steve, fans of me and the show, and he's going to give you some uh, special deals that are going on right now. The one that I took full advantage of, you can see right here, I have an Accutron a watch made by Bolivoli Highline, and I was able to take advantage of some extra special savings I paid for it now don't think that I'm just styling this like a free car or jewelry that you see on the red carpet it's not like that but I was able to get a 30% discount on the Accutron line of watches you can too now I didn't mention my own name because that's kind of self-involved but if you mention my name and the term barbecue brother you can get an additional $50 off the watch plus it ships for free plus you get free polishing free engraving they'll set the time for free Everything pretty much for free, plus all of the new Accutron watches, the Bolivar watches, the Citizen, the Phillip & Company watches are now in stock for the holidays. You get Christmas Layaway. It's available at no charge. Nobody doing Layaway anymore, but Stephen DeFranco is. For Ohio residents only, and there are some listeners in Ohio that can take advantage of this, six months same-as-cash financing available through Springleaf Financial. And, of course, there's still that special deal, $100 off the eight hundred and ninety-five dollar blue blood watch by Philip and Company. Look, you gotta buy yourself some. Treat you right for crying out loud. Tell your lo- your wife or your girlfriend, your lover, opposite sex, same sex, doesn't matter, that you would love to have a finely crafted timepiece on your wrist. Uh, what's wrong with that? As as Steve said when he was in here a couple weeks ago. We're guys. We don't bling ourselves out to the 10th degree, but a watch is a certain way that you can do it and still still stay classy, Central X. So go to stephendefranco.com or visit the Barbecue Central Radio Network's homepage. We'll uh, wrap up the first hour after this. Stay tuned.
2: Big name interviews, advice on cooking brisket and ribs, and the only host willing to share his honest opinion on all things important in the world of barbecue. It's the Barbecue Central Show.
0: All right. Getting in to the end of the second hour. Thanks for joining me, everybody. 877 448 My name is Greg Rempe. And I'm your program host. You're listening to the Barbie Central Radio Show right here on the Barbie Central Radio Networks. Greg at Show.com. Thanks again to Bill Gillespie from and Smokin Hogs. Smokin'Hogsbbq.com is their website. And they pulled off Grand Championship honors for the 23rd Jack Daniels. Very prestigious. One that everybody wants to win. I don't know if every... Competitor is going to sit there and say that they would rather win the Jack Daniels over any other competition if given the opportunity to pick one, but the majority of them probably would safe to say elaborate drawing process. You do have uh, the fact that everybody that is in there has won some type of an event. So you can't say that they're not, you know, winners. Your argument comes in saying that you know all of the best teams this year aren't necessarily invited, but look, that's just the way it is and, and perhaps that's why a lot of people want to. That's what I think I had broken it down with Heath Hall maybe a month ago. It's not necessarily there's like a mystique or a majesty, which of course there is. But I think teams are desperate to win. Why? Because if they get pulled for next year... There is actual, a legitimate shot that they might not ever get called again if they don't win those automatic qualifiers. If they don't win seven before the certain period of time or they don't win the year before so they get to go again. You might go once and that might be the only time that you ever get to go it again. So there is desperation. There is that huge sense of urgency. So if you're able to win it, You've really kind of achieved something that, uh, for all intents and purposes, other people might never, ever get the option of doing. And I think that's why there is such a majesty, such a mystique, when it comes to uh, winning the Jack Daniels. All right. A couple other things that I wanted to address here uh, for, uh, that I was going to try and get to in the open. Last week, we had Candy Weaver on talking about that St. Louis competition and the fact that uh, the organizers showed up late. I have no news as far as if people have gotten paid yet or not. Uh, they're they're still within that 30-day time period, I believe, that he was uh, talking about getting money to. But I got a lot of reaction uh, through email saying that Candy, they, they thought that Candy was coming across a little wishy-washy um, and that she wasn't willing to take a stand on a guarantee or this or that. Here's my f- sumratory thoughts. Is that a Rempiism? John Dawson, Summatory. I'm, I'm claiming that one, too. Claim that for me, ladies and gentlemen. Summatory. I believe I wanted to say summation. But uh, in, in summary, in that whole regard, let me say this. I think if KCBS doesn't want to be, and perhaps they don't even not want to, but they just aren't. If they're not going to be associated with a guaranteeing of prize purses, if that is something that is strictly up to the organizer, that is something that needs to be not even remotely in a gray area for any team signing up for any contest. There needs to be some kind of a message put out. They need to run ads and bullsheets. They need to have email correspondence. They need to have something that is given out as a receipt when you're signing up for competitions that what you're signing up to, there is a caveat emptor. You might be signing up for something that aside from rules sanctioning judges, this training, that training, it's kind of at your own risk. The guy might say he's got fifty thousand dollars, but it could come up short. These are things that you need to be aware of, and KCBS is not responsible for that. That being said, how do you hold the organizer accountable? I could promote that I'm gonna be having a huge payout just to attack top teams, attract top teams all the while knowing that I'm going to show up with $8.75 and a healthy ass-kicking after the fact. But how are we going to give out some kind of guarantee? Because it'll happen again, I guarantee it. It might not be as big of a deal. It could be a bigger deal, and then what? Imagine it being bigger than $10,000 short. Now you have quite an issue on your hands. How are you going to address that? Is there some type of escrow? Is there some type of oversight committee or guarantee committee that you can have to keep that from happening? I don't know. But making sure that every team knows that they don't have anything to do with it is probably the best way to go. All right, We're going to uh, step away so we can do the second hour intro. Meathead Goldwyn coming up in 14 minutes. Stand by.
2: This is Hub Jr., the host of In the Hut. And you listen to the Barbecue Central Radio Network. All barbecue and grilling all the time.
0: From my heart and
2: from my hand, why don't people understand my intention?
0: Happy to have you aboard here for the really big barbecue show. We're,
2: we're, we cook
0: because we have to, and we grill because we want to.
4: Fine, how's it going? <laughs> You have a great show of a big fan. So what, what, what seems to be the problem here? This man looks like he's dead and he's in the, in the crackle.
3: Charbono! It's all about the charbono, dude!
1: Succulent
3: fish! What?
1: He ate 50 for wiener. Oh, listen,
0: Lavernius. Shake a I'm shaking like a dog shit peach seeds. <laughs> you could use it to fight off creeping marauders looking to take your steaks off your grills.
3: I just like being anywhere with Junior, Senior, and Diva. Was like a <laughs> look the movie. Wow, yeah, <laughs> really. Keep
1: it hot, keep it clean, keep it lubricated. We have top men working on it right now. Ooh. Tough men.
0: All right, we are back for the second hour. Thank you. Thank you very much. Meathead coming up here in about 13 12 minutes from now 877 If you got something to say, Greg at the BBQ Central uh, Patrick, first of all, thank you very much for being my lead guy. You and Don G both for reminding me to turn off uh, my bumper music. But here's the thing I've compl- you probably haven't noticed because I'm such the professional, but I've actually resegmented out. The second hour, just like the first, we have attracted a a new group of sponsors, and I've been able to almost sell out the second hour of sponsorship. Three ads during the first hour, there will be uh, three ads, well, two paying, and then uh, trying to secure that third one. It's between a couple different people right now. So uh, it, it automatically just goes right into it. I could bore you to death with the mechanics of the show. And who needs to hear that? 877-4480-433. Greg at show.com. <laughs> For the life of me. For the life of me. McPoop is back. Oh, my God. McPoop is back. National campaign is now in full force. I thought it was a mere joke. But no, no, my friends. McPoop is back in mass marketing. And it is McDisgusting. McAtrocious. McNasty. Miss Jackson, if you're nasty. And I thought it was a joke. That I evidently... Am using the term friend loosely. What? I said I'm using the term friend loosely when I call people like Kit Rudd what? friends. When I call people like Don G friends. What? Not friends. Uh-oh. McPoop lovers. Mick poop lovers. Look. Folks, I understand that especially now. Starting it a little bit colder out there. Shivery, icy cold breath mornings. Car might start the windshield probably frosting over. Hell, the folks in Canada probably got 17 inches of snow over the weekend. So it makes it a little rougher to want to get out there and fire up the cookers and barbecue the real stuff. So what what do we do as Americans? Look, let's look at each other Hard in the face. Looking at you, sir. You. You over there. Let's look at us internally. Let's come clean as Americans. As uh, North Americans, like the continent. That includes you, Canada. Let's look at each other, at ourselves internally. Let's do a uh, retrospective. Let's do an introspective. Forget even retro. But let's look internally. And ask ourselves, are we so lazy as a society? Are we so instant gratification as a society that we as human beings consume? I would like to think that we are in a special niche of culinary delight as barbecue people. We like to cook. We're foodies at heart. We have a niche for barbecue and grilling. But we like food. Good food. Guys, I hate to break it. McPoop is not good. It's McPoop. It's poop. You could poop on a bun and put barbecue sauce on it with onion slivers and pickles? Pickles? It's weird enough when I go to Chick-fil-A and they hide pickles underneath a chicken sandwich. That's, that's weird to me. But nevertheless... You could poop on bread, cover it in barbecue sauce, put the slivered onions with pickles on it. You got the same thing. And you guys are posting pictures on my Facebook page just to make me mad. Look, you both know, Kit and who's the other guy that had Don. You're doing it, but you are reaping, you are sowing, you are reaping what you sow when you eat McPoop. It's not fun after the fact. And guess what? I can't speak from experience, but I saw the posts on my Facebook page. I did. And quite frankly, some of those things were confirmed, and I don't want any part of that. So, yeah, like you, Kit, still reaping the rewards of eating that McRip. How good did it look when you opened that cardboard container with the bread all wilted away because it's been oversteamed? And with, I mean, what is McRib? It's not like pork, man. Are you telling me that you are under the impression that they have taken baby back ribs or spare ribs or at the very least rib tips off of a uh, untrimmed spare and have lovingly shaved down the pork off of the rib tip, then found some type of a, of a mold and pressed the meat down. It's spongy weirdness. It's not barbecue. It's not. It's not anything related to the rib family. Pulling my intercostal ribs out of my human being, my person, would taste better than a McRib, and people love it. This is the exact thing that is wrong with the consuming public? Why they love these fall-off-the-bone ribs while they like this horse crap pulled pork in a bucket that's already pre-made and saucy you can heat in the microwave? <laughs> For what? You people love McRib. You eat one and two and eight McRibs. You have McRib eating contests. You fake epic mealtime. Whatever the hell was that called? Somebody forwarded me food hoarder, whatever the hell it is. You buy 10 McRibs. You got a huge bun that you buy at the grocery store, and you start stacking McRibs on it and make your own McRib McRibs sandwich. Gigundo. For what? Look, if you guys want to have a competition to see how much individual crap you can eat, and the person who eats the most poop wins... I don't want to know about it. I mean, I do. I don't want to know about it. And you people are doing something terrible to yourselves, and you're doing stuff terrible to others. This personification, this, uh, there's a better word that I'm looking for. Uh, The, uh, oh, damn it. But this perpetuation, and McDonald's knows it, man. McDonald's knows it what can I tell you they pull it away you watch in three weeks people are going to be going through withdrawals of poop why I don't know I'm never going to go through withdrawals of poop because I won't eat it but you'll see you'll get hooked it's like uh, McRib heroin I think is what it is I don't want any part of it. Meathead Goldwyn coming up next he's not sleeping <laughs> DJ Watkins bringing it strong right there on that comment Look, gang, only a few short weeks left. Not even weeks. Week. To get registered for Turkey Fest 2011. It's happening Sunday, November 5th. Starts at 10 a.m., goes to 3, so a nice full day over in Shillington, Pennsylvania. The smoking guitar player and the people at Fred's Music and Tasty Licks Barbecue Supply invite you to an all-day turkey grilling and roasting demonstration at our barbecue showroom at 214 West Lancaster Avenue in Shillington, Pennsylvania. They'll be cooking on the Big Green Egg and other fantastic grills and smokers. And here's the demonstration class roster. You've probably heard it before, so sit back and relax. For those that haven't, listen in. This could push you over the edge. Mad Max Rosen demonstrates the Mad Max turkey method. Max makes his third annual appearance comes from Virginia each and every year to show all the eggheads his foolproof method for roasting a turkey on the Big Green Egg. Also Walter Carroll, Apple Cider Turkey. He's the Big Green Egg distributor representative. He'll be demonstrating for about the 10th time this year his delicious turkey roasting method flavored with apple cider. It's a flavor of the season. Then you have Steve Schmidt of Schmidt's Poultry in the Shillington Farms Market. He'll construct and cook right before your very eyes. A traduckin, That's right. It's a chicken stuffed with a duck. And then you take that duck and chicken, you stuff it right inside of a turkey. It's like three birds in one. Hey, and then they roast it. It's fantastic. Now, you really get a kick out of it because it's a great presentation, of course. And of course, you can uh, also enjoy something that's very popular in the southern United States. And then you got the smoking guitar player himself closing out the demonstration class roster he'll prepare a roast spatchcock turkey and a beer can turkey both hits every year and you'll learn how to roast a turkey to perfection on your grill in less than two hours so you have three different cooking methods that Fred himself is going to be showing you it's outrageous, it's wonderful people are still talking about McPoop, it's crazy so you got Mad Max Rosen you got Walter Carroll, you got Steve Schmidt you got the smoking guitar player himself Fred Bonato all going to be telling you and showing you, most importantly, and you're going to be able to sample all this stuff, too. So if you're going to be over in Shillington, Pennsylvania, over there by the Philly area, do yourself a favor. Call now, 800-677-2882. 800-677-2882 or visit fredsmusicandbbq.com. Pick yourself up a smoker. Register for the class. It's Meathead next. Stand by. Stand by.
2: Broadcasting live from the Barbecue Central Radio Network studios in Cleveland, Ohio. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Radio Show. Once again, here's your host, Greg Rampey.
0: Welcome back to the show. Almost 14 past the hour. I wasn't stalling for Meathead, but I'm going to sit there and I will not stump. I am not a McPoop pundit. They'll say I'm stalling because Meathead has fallen asleep again, but guess what? That's not the answer. I will sit here and campaign fully and wholeheartedly against the McPoop sandwich until it is banished off the face of the earth. That being said, we race over the hotline, pick up monthly contributor to the show, Meathead! Joining us here from AmazingRibs.com, the heavily, most heavily trafficked barbecue and grilling website on the universe. Meathead, how are you, buddy?
1: I'm good, Greg. How is the... Cleveland Cavalier of barbecue today.
0: Absolutely fabulous. I always appreciate. It. How is the? Uh, 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 oh shit! I forgot what I was going to say.
2: Get that big stuff out of here.
0: How's the? Uh, is it Rip Van Winkle, the guy that falls asleep all the time?
1: <laughs> Somebody, somebody in the message board said, I didn't fall asleep. I was stalled.
0: Yes, of course you were. <laughs> now, uh, here we go. We have a lot of things to get to. More things coming in even right before showtime that we can talk about. So uh, we have a decent amount of time, a lot of things to get to. The biggest thing, and I've, I have to come clean. I've, I, for some reason in my mind, I've been calling it the stall method. This isn't a method. It's just the stall. It happens when we cook bigger cuts of meat, the pork, uh, brisket as well. So I apologize to everybody that decided to call me on the carpet and say that I've been saying the stall method. Well, excuse me. I fucked up. Sorry for being a human. Uh, it is the stall, and we'll end it at there. So we're going to be talking about that because you've done a lot of work in going in detail scientifically about what that is. Before we get into that, Meathead, you may or may not know that I'm a retail sales consultant for one of the two major wireless networks, AT&T, which is the best network to have an iPhone. You have uh, got a new iPhone yourself, a 4S. How are you finding it?
1: Um, Well, all I have to do is speak, and it finds me.
0: Doesn't that make you a lazier phone person?
1: (laughs) Actually, um, it's really quite nice. I'm very happy. It's the first iPhone I've ever had. And um, I, I got to tell you something funny. Uh, I, I've I've lost the video contact with you, so I can't show you what's on the screen. But let me tell you what happened.
0: Well, I can see you.
1: <laughs> you can see me. I can. Oh, okay. Well, I'll show you this. Um, uh-huh. I um, I asked the <laughs> v- v- assistant Siri. Yes, is Siri. her
0: name. Yes, I know her.
1: I asked her, um, who is Greg Rempy?
0: Oh, I can't wait for this.
1: No, 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 no. Now it's dialing something. She's
0: not so smart now, is she?
1: (laughs) This is going to be bad. (laughs) Hold on. Let's try this again. (laughs) Who is Greg Rempe? Oh, she's got a... Oh no, She's, she can't figure it out Uh-oh. I asked her this <laughs> I asked her this a few minutes ago And she said Let me find him on the internet for you And she, she brought up a website um, uh, For Greg Wimpy the-
0: Oh no <laughs> No I'm so all hard. man See, it's just <laughs> more f- fortification That Siri is a, still a great concept Than a, uh, a working thing all right, uh, But otherwise, you're finding the phone to be uh, okay for you?
1: Uh, yes, I'm a lemming. I'm so far happy with it. I haven't figured out how to use it yet, though. No, that's fine. <laughs> you, you,
0: you only figure out about 10% of the phone until you upgrade it in 12 months to the iPhone 5. Uh, different story for a different day. Uh, also... I cannot- Go I gotta interrupt you though.
2: Yeah.
1: I, before we get too far down in here, I really must apologize uh, once again for missing out uh, last week. Uh, I just, uh, I just blew it, and I'm a damn fool. And uh, I, uh, I was very impressed with your ad libs and your story about the dogs. And uh, that wasn't a story. Uh,
0: that was a nightmare.
1: <laughs> no god. You know, I on that subject. By
0: yes, the way, please. I was going to lead you into that.
1: You know, Heel, Craig. Heel. Um, I, I raise puppies for leader dogs for the blind as a hobby. I've got six of them. Uh, my sixth one is in house now. I've had five of them in the past. They're, they've all graduated, and there's usually only a 50% graduation rate. I do a pretty decent job of dog training. And I got to tell you, um, your sister in law really needs to teach the dog off, down, And go to mat. Those are three really useful commands. Off means whatever you're jumping up on, get off of it. Down means lay down and stay there until I tell you to get up. And go to mat means if you've got a little rug or a mat in the corner, you go on your mat and you lay there until I release you. They're wonderful commands. They're easy to train and they make your dog civilized and not frighten little children. And uh, your your sister's problem was, aside from the fact she didn't know how to deal with it, the other thing is, is she needs to learn a, about crates. Dogs, if properly trained with crates, love them. It's not jail. It's their favorite place. It's their home. It's their special place. Crates are very nice, or a room, uh, the bedroom. Your sister needs to do a little dog training, take an obedience class, um, and uh, you could possibly also tell your six-year-old, stop running around with your hands waving in the air. Yeah. It just gets the dog excited because their mental age, a six-year-old child and a dog, are about the same, so neither of them is quite in control. No. But, uh, but uh, your sister-in-law needs to do a little dog training.
0: All right, so uh, I'll make sure that I pass this segment along to her. So uh,
1: <laughs> the I, other I, thing that came up last week that I thought I could pitch in on is the subject of meat glue. You, um, you were you were asking well, about uh, meat I thought,
0: glue. Yeah, I thought I remember actually seeing. I don't know if it was on YouTube or if I actually saw it on national television about you know some type of substance that ended up becoming meat.
1: Yeah, no, it's it meat glue is an enzyme. Um, uh, uh, that is extracted from blood. It can also be made in a, in a tank, but it's usually extracted from blood. And it bonds proteins. In fact, it's involved in the coagulation of blood. It's what makes blood bond, thicken. Um, and uh, it's used to take, like, little bits of chicken and glue them together and then bread them and fry them and call them... McChicken poop.
0: <laughs> and, oh, uh, is that what it is?
1: Can, it can also be used to uh, make surimi, which is a fish called pollock, which is ground up and flavored and extracted to look like oh no. Um, uh, it's, it's faux crab meat, but it's not crab, it's fish. Pollock, right? Glue, the, the meat glue is used to do that. Oh, a man. lot of boneless um, ham loaf and uh, that boneless. Turkey breast that is in a perfect tube shape usually has meat glue involved. Um, Some of the really um, adventurous um, uh, avant-garde chefs are using it to like glue together lobster and steak and make surf and turf steaks or something and having some fun with that. It's 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 an enzyme that acts like a glue. Um, and it's 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 used pretty widely in uh commercial uh and industrial food production is it, and also in uh avant-garde restaurants.
0: Is it safe? I mean you can't uh, can I just eat meat glue all day long?
1: I I think so. Um I I mean it, it it's an enzyme. It comes from blood. Um <laughs> I mean blood is a uh, popular uh, food in many countries, not this country, but uh and as we know, we've discussed this before. The red juice that comes from your steak yeah. is not blood. No, it temoglobin. is what? Temoglobin. Myoglobin.
0: Myoglobin. I'm sorry. Yes. Myoglobin.
1: Myoglobin. If it was blood, it would be black. It would be thick. It would coagulate. Um, and uh, this is thin and pink and runny. It's just a protein liquid. It's similar in structure to blood, but it's not blood, so we should stop freaking out our teenagers and turning them into vegetarians by saying, oh, you want some blood on your steak? (laughs) Juice, just call it juice. So
0: is meat glue something that you feel is going to be becoming more and more popular and mainstream, or is it just going to be kind of off in a niche market?
1: I I don't know I I know I know it's used in industrial food production and uh, right. as I said you know make ham loaf and turkey boneless turkey loaves and it's used in sausage making uh, so it's already pretty widely used out there it's just that you don't know about it and uh, um, I do think that some of these um, avant garde restaurant cooks the uh, modern uh, techniques you know the guys who make foam and stuff uh, on your plate and then charge you a hundred dollars for it. They're playing with it, they're having some fun with it.
0: Meathead Goldwyn joining us here on the show talking about meat glue, how I'm right about dogs, <laughs> and uh, Siri has uh, failed, of course, uh, no surprise to me. Amazingribs.com is the website. Uh, Meathead, we wanted to talk about tonight uh, one of these things that – and it's funny because as I've talked to you here you know, over the last uh, year or so that you've been coming on and doing the show – You've mentioned, you know, offhand a few times about how somebody will message you or somebody will email you in almost what is a panicked state that the pork butt or the brisket, all of a sudden the temperature has stopped. And what am I going to do? Now, when I got into barbecue, let's say, I mean, maybe six, seven years ago. I was on uh, frequenting the uh, virtual Weber Bullet Forum, uh, trying to learn everything I could about my cooker and how to make it work right and and cook well as soon as possible. And everybody told me about the stall and that at some point you're going to get to this uh, temperature in or about this time, uh, temperature time frame. And just, you know, just what that's when the magic happens. Just take Uh care, relax, go have one or seven beers or however long it's going to take. And each time it's going to be different. But it seems to have almost become either less known about or now people are are starting to get skittish because maybe it's more of the advent of these digital readout uh, thermometers. I learned, and we're getting a little off track, I had one of those ET73 thermometers. I could see it ticking up every so often, uh, Uh degree by degree. And somebody said, look, Rempy, you know, cool out. Just get a regular solid dial <laughs> thermometer put it in the dome and just relax because when you see those temperature swings whether it be through the cooker or the meat you, you want to get out there you want to start messing around with the cooker and make adjustments and that's when things can get crazy swings and temperature are natural and they're okay it's not going to be 700 degree swings so you're not going to burn anything that being said when, uh, when the stall is happening now what are you telling people prior to you doing this whole scientific thing we're about to break down
1: most people know about the stall. A lot of the old timers who just learned to cook by throwing meat on their pit were unaware of it. They just knew that you gave your pork shoulder or your brisket 90 minutes a pound, or they had a a rule of thumb and they just walked away, watched their pit and and, uh, the meat was done when it was done. Um, We're into the 21st century now, and we got thermometers, and it's, and especially in the competition era, I mean, most competition cooks are using digital thermometers, they're, they're on a time schedule, they've got to deliver their meat. On time. And I'm on a time schedule too. I don't know how other people cook. When it's done, it's done. But I've got people waiting for dinner and I try to deliver dinner on time. And I don't want to deliver undercooked or unsafe food. And I don't want to deliver overcooked and dry and hard food. So I watch the temperatures. And the first time I did a pork shoulder, which was I don't know how many years ago. Um, uh, I did stick a thermometer in it and man, when it, it went up to about 160 degrees and it just stopped there and it freaked me out. And I get emails like this, uh, comments on my website. It's like the, uh, the Turkey hotline, you know, I get people commenting and I, I'm, I'm near my computer most of the time. And now that I have an iPhone, I can answer emails away from, it. Uh, you know rapidly and i I try to respond and i often respond to questions within an hour or so um and people freak and i mean you know it's only 170 degrees it's been there for five hours and the guests are arriving what the hell do i do um and uh you know i was talking with um what's his name uh sterling ball over at big papa smokers and uh they're a uh Uh, internet dealer of pits and uh, he says he gets calls like that all the time and so the question is is what happens let me describe the stall as the user sees it in case somebody is still not sure Um, it it, it looks like a lazy boy if you look at a chart Um, uh, the temperature rises pretty steadily from uh, the moment you put it on the uh, pit um, until it hits somewhere between 150 and 170, and a lot of that will have to do with things like how much water you have in your pit and um, how accurate your thermometer is. But somewhere in that 150, 160 range, it rises pretty steadily up till then, and then it stops, and it levels out, and it just stays there for four, or five, sometimes six or more hours, and then it goes back up, and it finishes cooking usually, I don't know what the – you know, the competition cooks look for, I look for around 190. And, uh, and, and, and so the question is, is what is that? And everybody was always saying, well, that's where the magic happens. And as we learn more about the chemistry of meat, you know, it was often thought that that was the temperature at which one of three things was happening. Either the fat was rendering melting, you know, fat melts, it's called rendering. Um, Or the protein was denaturing, that's when complicated protein uh, molecules break up and recombine and do all kinds of stuff. Or, what became quite popular is, it was thought that that's the temperature at which collagen goes through a phase change. Collagen is the connective tissue, it's like the silver skin you see on mead, it's the tubes that wrap muscle fibers, it's also the... um, tendons that connect um, muscles to bone and even bone is, is a lot of collagen um, uh, but when collagen melts it it, it it combines with water and it turns to gelatin and 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 that gelatin is, will actually solidify like jello uh, if you've ever made chicken stock you know that you can get this gelatinous material uh, um, uh, and and that g- gelatin in the meat, is really succulent. It's really rich. It's full of flavor. It's like it's like pork stock. It's it's it it it, 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 it 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 lubricates the palate and it's really flavorful. And so a lot of cooks thought, well, that's what happens during the stall. The the collagen is being turned to gelatin. Well, I'm I'm real interested in in the science of cooking and food, and I'm not a scientist. I don't have real formal training. Uh, interested in it. Um, I, I, I I was contacted by a reader of my website, a physicist, uh, Dr. Greg Blonder. Uh, he used to be the chief technical advisor at AT&T's Bell Labs. AT&T, you ever yep, heard of them? Never. Um, <laughs> Bell Labs, for people who are not familiar, uh, world famous, uh, internationally famous for, among other things, they invented the transistor. And a uh, massive number of patents held by Bell Labs, probably the largest uh, most innovative scientific research facility um, in private industry in the world, and uh, he was a big shot out there for years, and he was interested in barbecue, and we started communicating back and forth, and I started asking him questions, and so he'd go out and try to answer them, and we were talking about the stall, and he started thinking about it, and he, he got his slide rule, I don't know if he use, <laughs> nobody uses a slide rule anymore. He started calculating, he says, well, you know, only 4% of meat is collagen. And that's just not enough to absorb all that energy, the heat that is being used to um, cook the meat. It's just not enough to absorb all that energy and cause that flattening. So, well, 15% of it's fat, maybe it's fat, so he, he went and got um, a digitally controlled what? cooker, and uh, <laughs> and uh, he, um, he, he put a wad of brisket fat, just a big old lump of brisket fat in what? there with, with a temperature probe stuck into it. And then he took a sponge and got it soaking wet and put a temperature probe in that, and he measured the um, temperature on a recording thermometer – um, as time goes by. And, um, the, um, the, uh, the fat did not stall. It just continued rising straight and steady. But the water sponge rose to about 150 and then it flatlined and it stalled. It stopped dead. It didn't budge until it hit about, uh, four hours or three hours. I forget the exact time. I've got all the charts on my website. If you go to my website and just There's a search button, just search on stall. It'll take you to the article. Um, It's in the technique section. Um, But we've got all the charts that show you what happened, uh, both with a piece of meat and then with his little experiment. So he began to hypothesize, okay, the stall might be due to moisture evaporating from the meat. Now, because meat is 65% water, only 15% fat fat, 2% Two percent sugar, eighteen percent protein, and four percent collagen. Of uh, 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 actually, the four percent I'm, I'm misquoting. The four percent is four percent of the protein, so it's which is eighteen percent. So I don't know, it's down to like one percent of the total pro- content. So it, it, in any case, uh, it, he, he realized that it must be the water vac, and it, he, he, re- he, he he hypothesized that it was. Essentially, the meat sweating just like you do when you get go out and cut the lawn, you sweat, you get wet, and the breeze cools you off. And there's a breeze moving through your cooker from the heat source to the chimney. Um, and uh, and it's it's just cooling the meat and it's cooling it at such a rate that the temperature isn't rising. So he decided. Well, let's do a test. A very simple test was he took a six-pound pork, pork butt and split it in half and wrapped half in aluminum foil, and the other half he didn't, and put them both on the smoker. And sure enough, the uh, one wrapped in foil didn't stall. It just powered right on through the stall and went on up to uh, 190, 180, 190 degrees, Um, and uh, uh, finished in, uh, I don't know, I think it was four or five hours, six hours maybe. Um, And then uh, the other one took like 14 hours. Um, And you could see the chart there too. It hit and stalled and held for a long time. And so um, he began to really look at the, the, the physics involved and came to the conclusion that indeed, Um, uh, the stall is due to evaporative cooling moisture coming off the surface of the um, meat and cooling it and um, what's interesting is is a lot of us say don't mop your meat because you're opening the oven and you're letting the moisture out you're putting the temperature imbalanced you're adding oxygen to your fire and you're screwing up the whole atmosphere um but there may be some sense to mopping because mopping is cooling it further now it, 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 it it becomes a question of do you want the stall or not?
0: All right, and Meathead, hold on. Let I'll me interrupt want... you here uh, just for one second. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we'll come back to do we want a stall or do we not want a stall here in just one second. got to take time out to talk about somebody who doesn't stall. They just continue to cook and cook and cook with ferocity. It's the good folks over at the Barbecue Guru. Now, they make these automatic temperature control devices that you may or may not have seen But look, you're a busy professional like Meathead and I. You have uh, things to do. You don't have to sit there, as he said. It's ready when it's ready. Look, I want to be out and about on the town. I want to be meeting fans. I want to be watching uh, the Browns play football. I don't want to be tending a fire and doing all sorts of shenanigans and tomfoolery while I'm making great barbecue. Well, the Barbecue Guru can actually help you do that. You have four different devices to choose from. They're going to help you pick the exact one out for whatever cooker you have. And it's going to take over. It's going to manage that fire. It's going to manage that temperature. When you set it to a certain temperature, it will keep it there. How does it do it? It's microprocessors. It's fans. There's probably a little magic thrown in there. But you have a ProCom 4 wireless unit, which you can use up to 600 feet away from your cooker. You can adjust it. You can have the temperature readout right there on your hip if you're so inclined to do that. If you're a huge geek like me... And you want to get temperature readouts as they're happening live in your cooker. Hook it up to your laptop, your desktop computer. The Cyber-Q 2 unit is something you're definitely going to want to take a look at. And, of course, you have the DigiQ DX model and then the Nano-Q. I affectionately refer to that as the cruise control for your pit. Not a lot of high-tech uh, stuff that is on here, but it goes up and down in 5-degree increments. You can set it at 225 or 230 or 235 to get the idea because you can add and subtract by 5. Your pit is going to stay right there. Now, you can put on a pork butt, you can put on a brisket before you go to work, and the barbecue guru is going to sit there and take all of the guesswork out of how you're going to control that pit temperature while you're slaving for the man. So when you end up getting home, you have a perfectly cooked piece of meat, you can enjoy it knowing that you have successfully maintained temperature and you haven't even been there. frees you up to do whatever you want. That's why you got to check them out. BBQGuru.com. That's BBQGURU.com. Also, they have that Onyx oven that I've been telling you about for weeks. The Onyx oven and a Barbecue Guru automatic temperature control device talk about things that work well together. These things were made for each other because, quite frankly, they were made by the same manufacturer. So, you want to check them out again. Website BBQGuru.com where you can call them toll free. 800 288 Guru will come back more on the stall with Meathead in just one second.
2: Big name interviews, advice on cooking brisket and ribs, and the only host willing to share his honest opinion on all things important in the world of barbecue. It's the Barbecue Central Show.
0: We're talking with uh, Meathead about the stall. Just the stall, not the method, just the stall till the hour he said thanks for uh, letting me talk about my fine sponsor the barbecue guru uh, we were talking about evaporative cooling
1: yeah and actually the guru is an interesting um, uh, part of this discussion because that's going to be our, um, uh, dr blonder's next piece uh, in collaboration with me um, we set out to answer the question um when you're looking, are you cooking? Um, it's an old shibboleth that, uh, when you, uh, lift the lid, you set back the cooking time about 15 minutes. Right. Um, and, uh, um, so we've, uh, tried to answer that question, um, on gas, charcoal, and pellet grills. Uh, just how does, um, uh, opening up the hood affect things? And I, uh, won't give it all away because I haven't finished writing it up yet. Oh, geez. But, um,
0: You owe me um, after screwing me last week. Reveal (laughs) to the people what you found out.
1: No, we'll talk about it later. I haven't finished uh, digesting all of his data. All right. Um, I mean, if you look at my write-up and then click the link to his website, you'll see why I interpret him. Uh, (laughs) But um, uh, I'll say this. The thermostat-controlled pellet grill um, recovered much faster than any other uh, cooker uh, because it's got a thermostat, and that's the effect of the – the guru and uh, the other cooker, the other uh, thermostat controls. Okay, so, so back, to, and I, I dug up my notes here. The um, two pieces of pork butt, one cooked in foil, one cooked out of the foil. The one cooked out of the foil took 14 hours. The one cooked in the foil, uh, done at eight hours. Now, it was pri- pretty much cooked all in foil. Well, now, competition cooks have been cooking in foil for years. Sure. Um, they know that it, it, it tenderizes um um but it also powers them through the the stall it it, it 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 either eliminates or reduces the stall now most of them don't wrap until a higher temp um a lot of them i understand now wrap when they like the color that right. they see not by temp that's right um but um uh, often it's around 170 um there's um a number of things that go on inside the uh the wrapping. Um there is a small amount of steam, but not a lot. One of the interesting things he 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 uh, discovered when he um did the wrap is as he unwrapped it, the temperature bottomed because immediately the moisture starts evaporating and the temperature rocketed down. Yeah. So um uh some people will like unwrap it and put it back on the cooker in order to firm up the bark. Yes. And what's happening is is they're dropping the temperature of the meat. Um, uh, I don't know what – I haven't judged in a while. I don't know what judges are looking for in the way of bark. Uh, But um, uh, my friend uh, um, Sterling Ball, who competes out on the West Coast, was telling me that he thinks judges feel that if the bark is too hard and crunchy – They believe the meat's overcooked. I don't know if that's true or not. I don't know what judges are looking for. But um, wrapping in foil seems to soften the bark uh, significantly. But um, it does retain a lot of moisture. And uh, you do get some moisture pooling in the foil, which can be added back to the meat um, uh, when you put together your presentation box or serve it at the dinner table. As long as your, your rub is not too salty. Um, you can add those drippings back. And and of course, a lot of folks put moisture in the foil, like a couple ounces of uh, apple juice or beer or wine or whatever. Um, but um, he, if, you, if you go to uh, amazingribs.com and uh, look that article up, you can see his experimental data, his charts, his research, and it's pretty um, undeniable. It's pretty hard to uh, debate him his data. You mentioned last week that there was debate over on the barbecue brethren. There was a physics student uh, who lacks the 80 patents that Dr. Blonder has, <laughs> who uh, put forth the theory that it had something to do with the mass of the cooker. Um, and uh, that was a, a false theory, and we shot it down, but it created some debate. Um, there is no real debate here that I can think of. It's pretty black and white. Um, the stall is due to moisture evaporating. The meat is sweating, and when you wrap it in foil, it's just as if you were going out to cut the lawn wearing a raincoat.
0: But are, in are you not it's not steaming in there. Is that what you're saying?
1: There is some steam. Um, it's not a whole um, a huge amount, though, um, because um, uh, there's the, the temperature isn't high enough. There's not a lot of liquid. Um, and, uh, that, we, we, that, that issue is addressed in his, uh, data also on my website. It's really interesting. And that's, the, it's not enough steam that it will penetrate the meat and tenderize. A lot of us thought that, I, I say us, cause I thought this too. Um, the, um, the steam was the tenderizer effect that it was steaming into the meat and, uh, somehow or the tender, cause steam penetrates more than hot air. Um, and so, uh. Uh we thought that that was p- part of the problem so i mean
0: so how is the texture being changed in the foil then I mean if I'm wearing a uh and foil suit and I go out and jog i'm gonna sweat a lot more than if if i don't isn't that steaming
1: um yeah um uh, it is uh a little bit but not a lot. It is changing the texture mostly of the bark, and you know um
0: so why I I mean, why does it do it there I, I, and, and not in not without?
1: I'm sorry, what was the question?
0: So why does the meat look different when it's coming out of the foil than if it if it's just left in the cooker if there's not that much steaming going on?
1: Well, because there's it's it's 100% humidity in there. That that um, foil is, is a, a metal jacket and so the humidity inside there is 100%. Um, um and and of course that's part of the issue as to why there's not a lot of steam because when it's wrapped up and it's sealed up tight you can't really get a lot of steam generated and you get into the physics of uh steam now but it's 100 percent humidity in there and so it's changing the texture of the surface so you're not going to get a real crunchy bark right now i gotta confess i don't compete and uh so i i rarely if ever foil even my ribs uh i mean i'm a backyard cook i i've done it both ways um uh and i i'm sure that some of your competitors can talk better than i can as to how the meat is changed by foiling and not foiling but um if you're working on a time schedule the idea of foiling somewhere in the 150 to 160 range and powering through the stall gives you a real advantage in getting done on time. Yeah. Um, and then if you want to firm up the crust, getting it out, putting it over a higher heat um, is an option, or you know, just skip the foil altogether. I know a lot of people think aluminum foil is, uh, is uh, uh, treachery. Uh, akin to using thermometers, but um, it works.
0: Well, I don't have any problem using foil, and I think everybody that I've ever talked to, aside from perhaps a very select few that I couldn't even possibly name if you had a gun to my head, uh, would say that they don't foil at all. At least everybody is doing ribs and and probably at least uh, the bigger cuts of meat, obviously not chicken uh, for the most part, but... Uh, That being said, I mean, I find that, and again, I've never competed. I have no aspirations in competing because um, I'm not that kind of a guy. I get my uh, rocks off by my neighbors telling me how good my barbecue is, and that's good enough for me. Um, That being said, I've done ribs uh, without foiling. I've done pork butts without foiling and briskets. And there is a definite uh, tactile difference on the outside of the meats, uh, crispier or harder, however you want to uh, term it as far as descriptors are, uh, we could, you know, go at nauseum. And then I've also foiled all of those. Ribs, without a doubt, for me, for my palate, we all have individual palates, so whatever you think tastes and looks best is right for you. But I found that I turn out a more consistent end product on ribs when I foil. It might not be for two hours or two and a half hours, And I don't know if I'm necessarily looking for a particular color like our friends on the competition circuit are. But there seems to be something that happens in the foil that makes it good for me and my family. And that's why I continue to do it. Pork butts, I'm probably 50-50 on, except when I'm pulling it for parties. And especially for the people who have never had it. Because let's be honest, you've never seen a butt get pulled before. It looks a little weird. It's not what you're used to seeing that's coming out of those mass-produced containers so everybody's not real eager to just start tearing off bits of bark like we would. I mean, that tastes great. Uh, so you put it in the foil, and it softens it up a little bit and makes it a little easier on the palate when you're consuming it. So I don't have a problem with foil at all, and I think a lot of people, they're probably lying when they say they probably don't use it as much as they do. its a, I think it's a help.
1: Well, one of the things that goes on inside that foil is um, you're not getting – as much evaporation as you do outside the foil. So you're not getting as much loss. Uh, I mean, a lot, I, if you cook without foil, you can have you know, a pretty large weight loss um, uh, just to evaporation, which, of course, also drives home Blonder's point. Um, you don't have that much loss. There is pooling of moisture. And in fact, one could argue that what's going on inside that foil as the moisture pools at the bottom, is braising. So, let me just ask this. that
0: was my next question.
1: (laughs) If, during a Kansas City barbecue society competition... Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. You know where I'm going now, don't you? I do. My Uh favorite topic, the definition of barbecue. Are we braising our pork and brisket and our chicken? Are we... Simmering it in fat, confit style, then searing it over high heat, grilling. Is there any barbecue left? In barbecue competition?
0: No, it's not.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I well, you know, it, by my definition, it's all barbecue.
0: That's right. It's well, all barbecue. Uh, I mean, by I, my uh,
1: definition, it's, all, it's just different kinds of barbecue. And that's another topic. We've had that debate before. And if anybody wants to hear that theory expounded upon, I also uh, attack it on my website. Yeah,
0: well, I think that we can both agree that, you know, what's happening on the competition circuit, uh, and I've said it, uh, it might have been two or three visits ago is uh, some type of weird bastardization of what we have come to love as as low and slow cookers in the process. I might make an argument that the people that do it in the backyard just like the process more. If you could get the same taste out of doing it in a microwave or in a crockpot and you never had to tell anybody but it looked and felt the same, and we all know it wouldn't, that people would be more apt to doing that because the society that we're living in. is But we can hearken back, we can steal back some time and, and from some other era where you do it low and slow and there's this whole process and mystique and majesty involved with it. And there's a romance involved with barbecue when you do it, uh, you know, I guess the old school way or, or the proper way, however you want to term it, which is why I like doing it. And I think uh, it leads to the overall ambiance and enjoyment of the M product.
1: Well, I, I, I'm with you and I'm torn because... So much of the barbecue is that process, is that connecting with the pro-magnan Cro-Magnon man in me and huddling around the fire and 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 cooking. But a, a huge part of it is, God, it tastes so good. Right. Um, and, and, and I just want good food. So I love my maverick et 73 or now i guess it's a newer model uh my digital thermometer i love the barbecue guru i love butcher blend i and these things that they're turning in at competitions what they're really doing whether you call it barbecue or whatever or braising or grilling or whatever is they're cooking and they're cooking good damn food it's really evolved though because of the money because of the competition because of our knowledge of food science people like blonder and others who are teaching us more and more about going what's going on it's evolved into advanced outdoor cooking and um I think you can. Ha- you have to call it barbecue. Um, it, it's all barbecue, but it, there is a lot of interesting stuff going on, and it does turn out god-awful good food.
0: That's right. He is Meathead Goldwyn, and he's uh, running AmazingRibs.com. We have dispelled the stall, uh, so fear not, my friends, and this is a way you can power right through it. Go to AmazingRibs.com to get more, and read up on that uh, great article. It's a great read, very high level, and we certainly appreciate that, and uh, Meathead, always appreciate the time. Can't wait Wait to figure out what we'll be talking about next month.
1: Oh, I love coming on here, Greg. It's great fun.
0: All right, take care. There he is, Meathead, joining us here on the show. So hopefully everybody is uh, now well-versed in what the stall is. I'm not saying the stall method anymore. Oh, my God. The emails rifle in like I've made claims against somebody's life. (laughs) All right, well, here it is, folks. Imagine you have something to sell product-wise to the barbecue and grilling world. This is your spot right here, these three minutes of the show. I talk about your product, how great it is, how people can benefit from it. My personal testimonial, because I try stuff that I sponsor. Unless you're a store, I can't try your store. But you got to be reputable. I do check that. I do my due diligence before I get behind and partner with a company. A lot more affordable than you think, and the benefits reign supreme. Why? Because you hear me talk live here on the show to the you know 100 people or so that we've had on throughout the course of the night on uh, both the video and or audio side. But then the show goes up on podcast. You can get it tomorrow. You'll re-listen at your own convenience. Five years from now, somebody could be hearing me talk about your product, and you get residual business from partnering with the show. That being said, I know I don't talk about it a lot, but I want to drive all of you Central Lights maybe you you enjoy you miss talking about barbecue and grilling in the chat room and you want someplace to go and hang out lots of great forums out there i know love the barbecue brethren Barbecueforum.com is the worst place ever don't go there but i have one barbecue central forum it's a internet forum for barbecue and grilling bbq dash the numeral four the letter u.com or the bbq central no show just the bbq Central.com. it's free to register and you can ask all of your questions that you have about barbecue. You can ask all of your questions that you have about grilling. If you want to make a cooker, if you have a particular style of cooker, my forum does not cater to one region, nor does it cater to any style of cooker. Many different varying levels of barbecue and grilling expertise there. So the first thing to know is you're going to get all your questions answered promptly because it's high traffic. But more importantly, uh, these people are friendly, and, th- and they're looking to help you. So uh, jump in, ask, get questions. I'm in there all the time as well. TheBBQCentral.com. It's the Barbecue Central Forum, an internet forum for barbecue and grilling. kind of coincides here with the show, so you get your fix in between Tuesdays and podcast listenings. Uh, don't forget to check out the new YouTube that's going on as well, YouTube slash BBQ Central, where you can get the video segments of this show. I'm going to start breaking those down, To Click on those ads that you see. Make the show some money, for crying out loud. All right, we're going to come back and wrap up the show right after this. Stick around.
2: Get in the smoke. 877 to get on the air. Now, here's your host, Greg Rampy. All right, welcome back.
0: 877 Greg at the In case you want to jump in on the show tonight, more than happy to have you. Uh, weigh in on uh, any of the guests that we've had currently. Or, if you want, uh, we can talk about meathead and the stall so it's evaporative cooling if you missed it of course go to amazingribs.com you can also uh, catch the segment on podcast at some point very early either well either very late tonight probably not tonight though very early tomorrow morning i should have everything uploaded and then of course if you if you like to watch me on video and hear meathead on audio you can download what i'm sure will be at least uh four video segments on youtube as well Uh, That's something new that we're doing here on the show. Uh, But go to AmazingRibs.com and do the initial read on the stall and what that's all about and how Greg Blonder goes through and kind of hypothesizes hypothesizes what it could be and then puts it to the test. And uh, his study shows beyond a shadow of a doubt, as Meathead said, really nothing to argue with. Your meat is getting to a certain degree and it's sweating. The moisture is evaporating out of the meat and that's what's causing the cooling. Just like if you were running around, look, human biology dictates that as you are getting hotter internally, your body needs to cool itself. So blood vessels will raise up uh, towards the skin to cool itself just through uh, the air. And then if that's not helping, it will start to put water on top of your skin. The wind will blow over it, and then you will cool down. It's a body uh, cooling. It's called sweating, and that's what's happening here, according to Mr. Blonder. So the stall has been now scientifically broken. And there's no magic happening. There's not collagen uh, or anything like that that is uh, going on, fat uh, rendering or anything like that. Uh, the meat is cooling off, cooling off, cooling off, and then all of a sudden, you've stopped sweating. What would ha- Imagine what would happen as a human being if you were in a sweat box, and it happens when you get dehydrated. What happens if you stop sweating? Well, at some point, your temperature can either moderate or is you know, continually dropping, but then when you're done sweating, bad things happen. Core temperature starts to rise. You get above where you need to be to stay living, and then you expire, which... You know, the good news is pork butt is not alive, so, we're, you know, we're not, we've already killed what, what the goodness is of it. And then the uh, temperature starts to rise back up again. You break through the stall. No magic is happening. By the way, you know, fat uh, on fat caps and stuff, when it's melting off, does, does not go through the meat and then out the other side. Just so we can, uh, I'd like to dispel one more myth and spread one more truth out there in the barbecue and grilling world tonight before we leave. Fat cap rendering, it does not go through the meat. It's like an umbrella with rain. It just cascades over the top and and, and drips down into your pan. So never think that the fat is dripping actually through your meat from the fat cap. It's patently ridiculous. I'll laugh at you. We thank Meathead Goldwyn from AmazingRibs.com for breaking down the stall. Also telling me that I was right when it comes to dog owners. We talked about iPhone 4 as well. Siri doesn't know who I am. Not surprised. I'm nobody. And then meat glue, which evidently is what McPoop is made out of. Meat glue. Chicken parts fashioned together kind of like a uh, food soldering, if you will. First hour, we had Bill Gillespie smoking hogs. They won the 23rd annual Jack Daniels barbecue cook off just this past weekend. And then, and then, we had who did we have? Ken Hess from Big Bob Gibson's. They took reserve at Jack Daniels as well. Hey, guess what? Gotta give a big congratulations to Patrick for winning the Guess Who's Going to Win the Jack Contest. So, Patrick, you're going to be getting a very special prize, something you're going to enjoy for, well, depending on how you use it, days or maybe a week or more, depending on how you cook. So you're going to need to uh, email me, greg at thebbqcentralshow.com. Put prize on the subject line. Also, I have three more polishing cloths to give away. So if you didn't get one last week, Email me that you want a polishing cloth. Be sure to include your shipping info so I know where to send it. Those will be going out tomorrow. Thanks to all my guests. We'll see you back here next Tuesday, September 11th, 2001. I will never forget. Until I see you next Tuesday at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, as your program host and proud U.S. American, Greg Rempy. Good night now.